This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Yeah, this, this, if this, I win this game, I'm going to Chicago. And I learned after the fact that my opponent, had, the stakes were the same for him as well. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. We just got back from LVO and we've got a ton to talk about. Uh, David, Kyle, how are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing great. Tired still, but good. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a long couple of days. I've taken like three naps over the past seventy two hours. Yeah, I stayed in Vegas for a few days after the event, and uh, um, yeah, casinos aren't so great for your lungs if you're sensitive to cigarette smoke or other types of smoke. So, as you can probably hear, I have a little bit of a, a voice loss, a little hoarse today. So, no, no, we'll we'll work through that. It's okay, we can still do a good show. A uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, talk a lot anyway because uh, something happened. Something good. I, I like it. I think it's sultry. Your, your voice, that is. Oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, cool. So um, I guess let's talk about what we did at LVO. Um, do we want to save the best for last? I think sure. So. Okay. All right. So, Kyle, what, what were you doing at LVO? Um, I was judging. So um, it was fun. It was me and uh, and uh, Brendan, Brendan France. So um, he uh, he decked himself out in an Imperial officer outfit, and I felt like we needed some balance in the force. So I was decked out as a Rebel officer, um, which I kind of hobbled together from various things that I borrowed. Shoutouts to uh, Matt Dunn and Kevin Vallier for providing parts of the outfit. Um, and uh, Salvation Army and Duluth Trading Company, because uh, that's what rebels wear. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. Um, most people were very chill. We got like most of the judge calls we got were, you know, just rules clarifications. Like we didn't have any sportsmanship issues or anything like that. So, um, you know, I was very impressed by, generally speaking, the uh, demeanor of the players and how chill everybody was. Um, there were some, uh, I mean, the, the, the time limit I think was a little short. Um, I'm going through all the match slips right now, but, uh, as a, as a rule games didn't go all the way to six turns. Um, so it looks like that's already, uh, being adjusted for at Adepticon. Uh, the round times are a little longer for, for Adepticon than they were for LVO. So, yeah, it looks um, like they're going to be like two and a half hours at Adepticon. Yeah. Which is great. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, you, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was, please continue. Um, I was just going to say, like, it, it got better for sure as the day progressed. Um, and all of the final cut games finished on time. Um, so, you know, it, it's definitely like, it, it is possible for two experienced players to finish an entire game in two hours. And in fact, probably reasonable. But, um, you know, when you've got a mix of experience levels and, you know, people are, like haven't been to tournaments before, um, you know, it only takes one player to like, like, like six turns is pretty tight for two hours. So you really need both players like firing on all cylinders to reach that goal. And, um, you know, that's not always easy to achieve. So I completely agree with that sentiment, given my experience in my final game. I think the last like two rounds, I think it was an absolute blur, both to myself and to everybody who was watching. Um, we were, like you said, firing all cylinders. It was like, okay, I'm going to go here. Uh, you can do your activation while I go here with these guys. <laughs> you know, it was really like bam, bam, bam. 
and um you know just having to make sure to you know keep on top of everything and not let anything slip by when you're just trying to really go through everything pretty quickly although you know we both had done a ton of damage to each other and so we were down to about four or five units a side at that point from uh, 11 on each side so it wasn't so bad like the overhead didn't definitely got lower but I, I totally um my experience totally reflects what you said Kyle that we had to be on all cylinders through the end there to make sure we finished on time yeah so I like to see that um already Adepticon is adjusting um and I won't get on my chess clock soapbox right now um <laughs> That's, that's a discussion for another for another <laughs> yes, <chat>. please. <laughs> um but that was really the only so I was looking over the survey results earlier today. Um I think Brendan will probably publish those at some point. That was really like the only negative comment. I don't um, know, that, man. There there was like some stuff in there about like people wearing rebel outfits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was me for the record. Also had General um, Hux, I mean Brendan France over there. <laughs> it was pretty solid um, though. Yeah, I mean the tables were were really solid. Um I'm, the pictures are on Facebook if you want to take a look, but definitely more thematic and uh more dense and I I hope more mechanically useful than um you know the Gen Con and Nova tables. Um, there was one table. I'm sure everybody saw the X-wing table where there was basically no line of sight blocking terrain. Um, Sponsored by my podcast or my uh, blog of all things on my podcast. <laughs> Sponsored by my blog of all things, which is great. I guess for the number of X-wings on it, but thanks, LJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Seriously, where there's no line of sight blocking terrain. Yeah, I think that was like a slight to me because you know I play Rebel so. Let's let's make sure the rebel the rebel sponsor is sponsoring a board with absolutely no line of sight blocking terrain. Yeah, it's, oh, uh, it was certainly the one that I think we were most concerned about, and it also was the one that got the most negative feedback. So, um, to the extent that uh, uh. to the extent that that table is um, going to be used again for Adepticon, which it's which it will with some adjustments, there will be more line of sight blocking terrain on it. So, so um, a non-zero amount. Yes, an answer. <laughs> you know what? I think there was one like one inch thick uh, crane in the middle of the table. All right. Um, I'm not sure that counts, but okay. Um, I'm just happy because my boy Nima slayed the Dragon of Impact X on that table. So he he did do that. Yep. Um, Z sixes. It turns out are good on a on a table like that, uh, especially when you're facing a triple sab list. So. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so other than that one table. You know, um, we got great feedback on the tables. Um, everybody seems like they had a good time. Uh, the food situation was a little weird. Um, I won't get into that, but basically there's like janky rules about, you know, the convention center and what food you can buy and bring in. Um, and uh, there definitely was not enough time for people to like have a proper lunch as a result. So no, there no, man, I had, I had like a bag of walnuts and then like I, I like ripped off the judge's pineapple pizza. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, Jay brought me Johnny Rockets after the final cut. It was it was amazing. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I think that was I think that was Ed actually um, that got those burgers. Um, so, oh, it was Ed. OK. Yep. Serious, um, though. It was so nice to have people who are like taking care of us folks. So it was it was both it was both Jay and Ed. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So it's Jay. Yeah, Ed goes by Drada on the Discord, and of course, Jay, sorry, Fifth Trooper, our Fifth Trooper host. And thank you, gentlemen. Yes, yes, thank, thank you. you. Huge the, thank you. That was the most delicious Johnny Rockets burger I've ever had. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah, it was really fun. Um, the, uh, the top cut games were really chill. Um, we only had one judge call and it was like a close measurement and I was so excited to do it because it had been so uneventful. Everybody was like you said, firing on all cylinders. Um, you know, people were walking around without shoes on and drinking beer and stuff. So it was, it was fun. Yeah. I got pretty chilled out at the end there and just people had a great time and the toxicity level was super low. Yep. Um, yeah, um, I don't think there was a toxicity level. Yeah, it was like non, it was like low, like non-existent, like in the parts per million range. Like it was pretty low. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. I, uh, the judging experience was really good. Um, Brendan was great to work with. We, uh, spent tons of time together, obviously, cause we set up and tore down all the terrain. So, um, I was glad to get to know him and, uh, a lot of the other community members, you know, put a lot of faces to names that, uh, I've, I've only met online. Um, and it was awesome. It was a great experience. So that was my LVO. I do have a, um, before we get to, I guess we can just do this now since this is a segue from the, from the, the X-Wing table. Um, so LJ is ghosting for Adepticon. He's consulting is Ooh. the term that he used. Um, and Brendan is going to be the marshal again for Adepticon. So um, many of the tables will be the same if you want to look and scout the Adepticon tables, just look at the LVO tables. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, With slightly uh, more line of sight blocking terrain this time. Yes, uh, at least for that one table. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, I don't want to get into too much detail on that, but there will be many repeat tables. Um, and much of the terrain will be the same. They're also running like a terrain contest. Uh, so if you have a table that you're proud of or you want to make one, um, I think you can submit that uh, on the Adepticon Facebook page. I'm sure somebody will correct me on that. Um, but they are looking for table submissions also for awesome terrain tables. So, um, yeah, shout out for Adepticon, which is like less than two months from now. Yeah, I got to do so much painting. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, me too. Man, three color minimum. Heads up, people. Three color minimum at Adepticon. I'm just yeah, going to dip my guys in like a vat of paint in like one direction so that a third of them are painted and I'm going to dip them in another <laughs> vat of paint in the other direction so that it leaves the middle whatever color I primed it and they're just going to be like look all look like flags. It's great. Yeah, my stormtroopers are from Bretonia because they're half red and half blue. <laughs> that's, that's like a step up from the uh, traditional three dot uh, three color dot minimum. <laughs> Seriously, people, please don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The expectation generally, at least in other games, is that you make, like, it doesn't have to look good, but you have to at least make a good faith attempt to actually paint them three colors. Um, so, yeah. Heads up. Uh, that's all I got. Oh, we interviewed Luke Eddy, which, um, you know, has already uh, aired. It's already been aired, so feel free to download that if you haven't. There's a spicy teaser at the end there. And he says a bunch of other awesome stuff, too. Um, he was a super cool guy. I was uh, very excited to meet him. And, um, and he was awesome and, and chill. So, Also, fair warning, Kyle and Jay were up at like 6 a.m. to do that interview. So just um, tossing it out there. That is true. After going to bed at like 2, to, uh, you know, after getting all the terrain torn down and stuff, so. Because we were uh, celebrating. If we That's sound, why. yeah. If well, <laughs> that too. Um, if we sound low energy, uh, that's why. But at least Luke was not low energy. He was awesome. So that's the most important part. Yeah. Um, all right. That's all I got. Okay. Sweet.
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep my spiel brief. Um, I went three and one. I ended up missing the top cut on tie breaks. Uh, you know, it was, it was a fun weekend. I got to meet a lot of people. Um, I'd echo a lot of your thoughts, Kyle. Um, but yeah, a little disappointed that I, that I missed the top cut. I had one, um, kind of, I wouldn't call it a bad game round round one. We, we got crunched for time and I think I could have pulled it out in another turn or two, but we ended on like turn two or three or three or four. And, um, it just kind of got away from me, uh, due to time. So in any case, um, the rest of the tournament went really well and we got to talk to Luke Eddy and that was fantastic. And yeah, I don't know. I, with all that being said, though, David, I think you had a much, much better uh, showing than I did. Oh, wow. Uh, maybe. Um, well, okay. So so I went 3-1 during Swiss, and I, I kind of lucked out because um, my loss came very late to an undefeated player. And also two of the people that I played during my Swiss rounds also made the cut. Uh, so I made the cut on a 3-1 record. And I got to my tiebreaker round and things looked really bad for me in the midst of my tiebreaker game. And uh, I managed to pull it back somehow. I remember um, walking over there and just being like, oh, my God, he's going to lose this game. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, so this is your this is your final cut game. The uh, If I win this game, I get an invite to Adepticon. Yeah, this, this, yeah. if this I win this game, I'm going to Chicago. And I learned after the fact that my opponent, had, the stakes were the same for him as well. He would not go to Chicago without an invite either. So we were both like, we were both playing really hard for for the win there. And uh, um, I, I'm thinking about it now. I think my table talk was really loose because I think I was just delirious. I don't think I had enough food or water. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> I was totally delirious. And there there might be some funny moments. Um, I know that that eventually the video will go up. Um, I think because I'm the I think because I'm the sixth one. I don't think it'll go up for a little bit yet but but um we'll see how fast um uh, nick freeman gets it gets it out he's already got the first one up so some of the videos are already going up but um a- anyway so uh, i mean i could talk about the swiss rounds I-, I faced some really interesting lists um i faced a luke chewy leia with medics my first round that just didn't have enough activations and i i killed off one and then it was keep key positions and the middle was completely line of sight blocked so it meant my opponent had to go in because I could get eight eight units on the point. He couldn't actually contest any of that without diving his Luke into my Luke. And uh, it was kind of just a win by force at that point. Um, his son of Skywalker was strong, but I rolled enough block results to live. And so I won on KP on the objective. Um, second game was against Alberto Paz uh, from the Game Storm area. Um, he was playing super friends with Wookiee Warriors. Uh, through this whole this whole uh, tournament, I played Wonder Twins with Z sixes and snipers and one fleet trooper, um, and that was a fun game too. Like I I made a huge mistake with my fleet troopers and, and the Wookies just rolled eight hits into them after aiming and killed them to death. It was full to dead, like not even close to saving. And so I was like, okay, well, crap, I'm on breakthrough. I'm down now, so I have to make a move. And he floated his Han in the middle a little too aggressively, and I managed to score a really hot Z six roll. And I actually did four wounds to his Han. And then his Han was finished off by snipers. And he uh, left his Chewie outside of guardian range. And so the snipers just killed Han. And from there, I lost only one more core unit. And the game ended on a five-point spread. Uh, 
um, on breakthrough. So that was really tough to to countenance that victory. It was a very slow game because we both knew that giving up activations was incorrect. Um, and especially me, because I was a blue player, I was playing extremely defensively. Um, so neither of us were, we all, we both wanted to calculate instead of actually moving. So we didn't play that many rounds and that's totally our fault because we were so busy calculating. Um, I think Leia was on like a rooftop and he tried to kill Leia with the snipers and she was pretty safe and heavy cover on the rooftop. Any hits that got through, she was able to pass to a, a trooper unit down below that was relatively safe and not taking casualties. So she was able to resist his snipers and uh, my snipers were able to survive long enough not to give up their points. Um, anyway, so that was game two. Um, and then game three was against David LeBlanc, who's from SoCal. Um, my first Imperial match of the day, and he was extremely good. Um, it was kind of similar. Uh, we were playing Vaporators um, on a map with a really cool bunker in the center. It was table one, so it had like a landing platform in the in the side which was a perfect uh nest for my snipers so my snipers were just or just all over the board um one of my favorite tactics with long march snipers is you try to set up a crossfire so you put like two in one corner and one in another corner to cover the the um, opposite angle and so basically any anywhere they walk they're gonna take sniper fire from you um so i basically spent the entire game picking off his e-webs and trying to kill his royal guards instead of okay if i pick off his e-webs and his royals I'll, I'll probably be able to win on points that way if i can keep my vaps and i was very very close to losing a wound on evaporator and um thankfully because of both both he and i again we were playing slow because we were calculating because we knew that giving up points was negative um and so it eventually got to the point where it's like no you don't have enough time to fix the to fix the wound on the evaporator that i put on so um, it, it became very clear that the evaporators were not going to be the issue and points were. So we were both like at the end, we were both diving and trying to kill activations. And eventually I came out on top, like Luke had a very disappointing charge where a, a stormtrooper unit escaped with two bodies left. And so that was very negative for me. And I had to basically suppress a unit of officer snow. So they couldn't aim enough crits to kill my last trooper squad on in the middle. And eventually that came through for me. So, so that was game three of Evaporators. Again, the point spread was about 12 points. So it was a very close thing. And then game four, um, I played John Griffin, also part of the GameStorm crew, uh, Boba Veers, on a very sparse board. And he was very aggressive with his Boba with Recon Intel, trying to bounty Leia off the top. But I, uh, instead of playing Bombard turn one, I had no time for Sorrows her back into cover to uh, duck the Boba aggression. And his Boba ended up dying to my fleets. But the, then uh, he spent his whole game shooting my fleet troopers and my fleet just kept rolling white saves. And it was a really funny situation. I don't know if you've ever seen a fleet trooper squad with seven suppression on them because they're usually dead by that time. Um, so that, that was a very rare thing to happen. But eventually I just kind of got ground down by coordinated fire. I kind of let him goad me into moving forward and taking shots I didn't need to take. I also did a stupid move with Luke where Luke took three wounds for free. Uh, there was absolutely no reason for me to put Luke where I put him, and the guards got a free a free charge on him, and that was very negative for me. So I lost that game, but thankfully, you know, John, who actually won the tournament overall, um, you know, my, my only losses to him. That means my strength of schedule is pretty godlike. So I was finished at the top of the three and ones, in fifth place. So after all that history, here's the final game. <laughs> in case in case you're still awake, 
Um, this, this is the one I want to hear about the most. Yeah, <laughs> this is the one you want to hear about. So, so I've been facing you know pretty conventional stuff all day. Like the the medics with the uh, Luke Leitchu was the only like really non-meta thing I faced all day. Got lucky I didn't run into any Palpatines, so I felt pretty comfortable against all the non-Palpatine Imperials. Uh, but then I ran into this list, which was really cool. Uh, my opponent was Daniel Lupo. He ran a, a list that you know, was kind of after my own Rebel Jank Heart. He ran Leia Chewie, Triple Saboteur with Emergency Stims, <laughs> which is absolutely nuts. And he ran an Officer Fleet. He also ran a bunch of uh, Rebel Troopers who sort of rounded it all out. Um, and so that was a very, very tough list. He also ran an FD Cannon, I forgot to mention, which is the other non-meta thing he ran. It was super janky, but it was pretty clear that he had done this this list a lot. He practiced a lot with his jank because, man, was it strong. Like, I was getting worked by saboteurs in the first, like, two rounds. Like, I was trying to shoot his sabs. They just weren't taking hits. Anytime they took a hit, oh, E-stims, oh, I'm going to drop a second bomb. And then when you're trying to move out to kill me, I'm going to detonate two bombs into three of your your units and see how many I can kill. So the whole time, like, I was getting valued by these, by these saboteurs. Um, I think I lost one unit to sab bombs completely, like from full to dead, which was a relief kind of in a sense, because it could have been so much worse. Um, <laughs> it really could have been. Um, the game also had some funny mo- moments where it was sort of like uh, he had his Chewbacca in melee with me at one point. This is kind of I not doing this in chronological order, but he has Chewbacca in melee with me at one point. It became clear that it, that it would actually be more efficient for his bomb to hit his own Chewbacca than kill the one trooper unit leader that was still keeping Chewie in melee. So he was like, yeah, I should have bombed myself there so Chewie could charge that unit instead. Because <laughs> he was still um, tied up with me. Um, but anyway, so the first two turns, uh, it's recover the supplies on um, major offensive. The table has these two giant towers that block line of sight on either on like the center of each of the sort of three by three sections on the board. It has a ton of light cover that um, alternates between being half the height of troopers and full height of troopers, um, which is great for his regular guys uh, because it means that sometimes I can't get good shots. But but in the long run, though, the sabs prevented me from getting the middle box with any sort of um, ability at all. I had absolutely no play in the center. And so because I had no play in the center, um, I thought, well, my ship is sailed. I think I'm done by round two or so. But then uh, I tried to think of, I tried to scratch my, my head. And I was like, how can I, how can I equalize here? And so I had two ideas. One was send all of my box guys to go kill his third box, which was Leia, which was very exposed. And then um, do a suicidal charge with Luke up the middle to see how many of his guys I could kill and maybe try to win on points that way. And um, ultimately both ideas uh, paid dividends. The turn that I sent my guys after Leia, uh, he did not have an order on her. And so she was on the bottom of the stack and she ate a five crit Z6 shot and took four wounds and then a sniper to finish her off. So (laughs) Leia dropping that box really changed the calculus of the game. Um, Then it became a points race and eventually Chewie also had an opportunity to kill off my final box carrier. But um, before I do that, though, we have to talk about Luke. So Luke was basically in a state where it's like, okay, well... I have one suppression I'm carrying with me. I'm probably going to have heavy cover, but because I have to double move, I am not going to have a dodge token uh, for my son of Skywalker turn because I have to double move. And I just said, okay, well, I just accept it. And I walked into the mid, I waded into the middle of his army with Luke on uh, two wounds, by the way, 
already had taken two wounds from a saboteur bomb. Um, killed the killed the fleet troopers full to death with Son of Skywalker. Um, managed to live thanks to emergency stems. I took I took six wounds and was alive on one health with emergency stems. And then uh, charged a second time after aiming and wiped a whole nother trooper squad with Luke. And that was like a huge moment for me. That really equalized the game. And then it was sort of like, okay, well, now he's thinking, okay, well, his Chewie's now in melee with me. And he's saying, okay, well, I have Chewie. Chewie can kill rebel troopers in melee real good. So I got to run Chewie in there to blow me up. But unfortunately, it's Chewbacca because he had to take a 12-point bid didn't have emergency stims or sorry, didn't have a tenacity. Sorry. Didn't have tenacity. So he was only running with four hits of melee against five man trooper squads. So his Chewie got hung up because he couldn't do enough damage to kill a max health trooper squad in one melee swing. You see how that works. So that was why he, that was how that situation arose where he tried to bomb his own Chewie to do that extra damage to get himself free. So he could charge another, another unit. Um, but that didn't ultimately happen. And uh, eventually it came down to turn six. Um, he had a one one unit or sorry, a one man activation left, a 40 point trooper squad. He had Chewbacca on two on one wound plus stems. And uh, I had a trooper unit with a box that was in melee range. And I had a sniper next to that box kind of guarding it as well. Um, and it was a very weird thing at the end of the game where we sort of forgot how the emergency stims worked for a second because we were just delirious and tired. And um, his Chewbacca came up really early. Um, and that was bad because if Chewie, Chewie, there was no way Chewie could pick the box up. But the point was to make sure that Chewie went last so that I couldn't pick the box up. Because if Chewie was the last activation in the round, he'd punch the box carriers that were holding the box last. And I would drop the box and lose automatically one to two. So Chewie came up too early after having been punched by my box carriers first and being on stim wounds. And so he pulls the, he, he tried to say aim and standby to try to make his Chewie swing later in the round. And that would have worked if he hadn't been on stim wounds, <laughs> but we both forgot that he was on stim wounds. So later in the round, he goes to do this Chewie punch and I'm like, well, crap, I'm going to lose unless I roll two blocks and I rolled two blocks. <laughs> <laughs> so like it basically just came down to the white dice having mercy on me and um you know us forgetting the the, the trouble that i think i saw on my end and i don't know i don't know if i'm i'm gonna muddy the waters even further here because the chewy standby wounds weren't done correctly it wasn't clear whether my snipers would have had the ability to both reclaim the box and kill the 40 point trooper leader with their sniper shot I think I needed that aim to kill his his um, middle box grabber. So it was a very kind of muddy game. Um, but in the wash, I came out on top by a spread of about 100 points or so because Chewie died. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a crazy game. And I think the, the pivotal moments were Luke being traded for two full squads. And then, of course, Leia getting picked off was really the critical moment, too. Um, but it was definitely making some sacrificial plays and some very uncomfortable plays to get the win done. Yeah, I, I walked over there uh, sort of surreptitiously around turn two, and I'm like, man, he's going to have to like throw some <laughs> shit at the wall to <laughs> to pull this out. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. 
Yeah, well, I, fi- I figured I only had I only had two options. Like, I, I was like, this is my only recourse, and I got to try it, and and it, it paid off, you know. But my opponent was extremely good. It was one of the few times in Legion I felt like I was playing something who was just strictly better than me at the game, but he was playing a weaker list because he ha- was having fun with it. So, do you think if he had just been playing like Wonder Twins or something like that? Um... I mean, it, it sounds like the list is actually fairly oppressive. I would hate to face a list like that. Oh, it is! It is enormously oppressive. It was definitely a a, a meta response type of list. It was definitely like a, the meta is taking a, so I'm going to take a very very strong uh, B list. I, I don't know. Some other podcasts have talked about like the A, B, and C of meta. So you got meta, which is A. You've got B, which which expressly counters A, and then you've got C, which can beat both of them 50 to 60 percent of the time right and so he took a very strong b list and he did extremely well with it and um but eventually uh you know i kind of through a combination of getting lucky and getting the hits when i needed to get them and having them work um and just having more stuff because at the end of the game it was basically i have three core a leader and a sniper and you have uh, two core and an FD cannon and a, and a Chewbacca who's on stems that's going to die at the end of the turn. I just had more stuff. Um, the other thing too, I remember near, near, uh, I think it was after your game, um, you realized that you could have essentially just passed and prevented Chewie from doing standby. Yeah, I literally forgot that um, you could pass actions like because actions actually say you may. It says yep. you may in the perform action step rules. So I literally forgot that I had, I, I felt like they were mandatory and I was like asking for a judge. It's like, are actions mandatory? And I don't think I, I, I asked at the right moment, but man, it was crazy. Yeah. I think you asked after you were done. And yeah. as, you, as you said, it turned out to be a moot point because Chewie should have been removed earlier anyway, because of the stims. Yeah. Like as soon as he stood by, I should have, I should have pointed out that his stim wounds went on and I should have forced him to take Chewie off the board, but yeah, it was, just, uh... it was late. We were tired. Yep. We didn't even think about it, but like, I think I, I was going home and I was, I was thinking it through. And then I think I woke up the morning after I'm like, Oh my God, that was, we played that <laughs> totally wrong. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a crazy. Oh, can I also say that, that I got really like demoralized at the start of the game. Normally snipers are favored against saboteurs, but not when, um, your bombardment gets completely soaked by Chewy and his bombardment flat kills two of your sniper strike teams. Yeah. That seems real oh. bad. So I was down. I was down two activations from the first from the start of the game. So it was an even greater comeback than it might even have appeared on paper. Yeah. So, so yeah. Spe- speaking of that, one sort of note about real tables versus like TTS tables. If you're used to playing on TTS, um, there's not necessarily going to always be like three good line of sight blockers in your deployment zone to hide, you know, to corner peak snipers behind. Um, I think we're kind of used to that, um, you know, if you play a lot on TTS, but um, like real tables, that's not always going to be the case. So if you take three snipers, there's like a real chance that one of them is just going to get nuked off the table on your on your first turn, even if you're accustomed to being able to corner peek them. I think most of the tables were pretty okay for that. Yeah, I, I think probably 80% of them were fine, but there's definitely like a meaningful percentage where that's a possibility. You know, the X-Wing table is a clear example, but there were a couple more tables like that too where, um, you know, if you had like three sniper teams, there just w- would not be enough safe places to put them. 
Yeah, they just all died at coordinated bombardment. Re- reflecting further on the game, he also had a very good um, layout for him, which created kind of a fortress for the major offensive deployment zone where he had like a wall on either side of his deployment, which forced me to make kind of greedy deployments with the snipers, and he just punished me terribly for making these greedy deployments, like deployments that I thought were safe, but were not because, oh, I can see the shoulder of both models because I thought it was skinny enough to hide, or that it was wide enough to hide both. But it's like, no, I can see both. And it's like, oh my God, he's right. Oh my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to lose these strike teams. And that's exactly what happened. But that one strike though, the one that was left, MVP all the way. He got the killing blow on Leia and he got the killing blow on that box carrier trooper unit. So one was, shot. Yeah. Kill. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was total MVP. Yeah, you got to paint like an like an extra little chevron or something on him. Yeah, no, I, I actually used I actually gave all my snipers a fresh coat of paint, but I think I'm gonna like do a special thing for him. I think he's the red brown one with the bright blue eyes. So I'm gonna give him some something special. Yeah. Sar- Sergeant Blue Eyes, I like it. Yeah, Sergeant Blue Eyes, there you go. <laughs> so um what what was the so what happens now? What, what did you get out of winning that game? Uh, I get to go to Chicago and play in high command. Yay! I get to go to Adepticon. I also got a trophy. That was really cool. There's some awesome trophies with uh, the LVO Elvis on them. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot to plug the swag, but the swag was pretty awesome. Yeah, the swag was amazing. We got poker ship yeah. tokens. We got Rebel Lightworks objectives. We got all kinds of good stuff. So... David, I know that I think me and you have played games with those tokens up at this point. Can you imagine playing this game without those tokens? Actually, I haven't. You know, I, I got mine and I never really? used them all day. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sorry, I, to, after, I'm sorry after, to disappoint you. You're, you're good. You're good. I was hoping to, you know, find a fellow here, but that's fine. Um, so after four games of it, like, I can't imagine playing with the standard tokens. Like, these, these poker tokens are real legit. No, I think they're super legit too because like the, the thing with the paper tokens is that eventually they start to wear out and that creates a situation where um, your opponent or you could edge sort accidentally. For some of you, I learned a lot about gambling in Vegas and edge sorting is where you use defects in the card's edge to detect which card is where in the deck. And so that creates a, a, a vulnerability there in the game when you have tokens that are worn on the side in a certain way. But a lot of people don't study their tokens that closely. But so the LVO tokens are definitely going to be an upgrade and they will prevent edge sorting for sure. Just from wear and tear. It's yeah, not intentional. And they're also smooth. So, you know, obviously a bit of default. You can't tell like what the uh, what they're supposed to be. Yeah, they're not like real poker chips that have the grades to, to let you know by feel what the denomination is. But they're sweet, man. They're amazing. So yeah, I'm going to Chicago. It's gonna be awesome. I'm trying to find a Everybody. trying to find a room, <laughs> trying to get get money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing in high command. It's gonna be great. Yeah, I think it's gonna be amazing. We'll all be there. We will all be there. I will be fighting for my life in the last chance qualifier, but we will all be there. LJ will too, and so will uh, R1. I know some of you who listen to the Yavin Bay stream. Have listened to me in R one do drunk commentary, <laughs> so but he's going to be playing there. Um, it's going to be pretty amazing to to see everybody again and just uh, meet new people, even more new people who are part of the community that couldn't make it to Vegas. But uh, I expect the caliber of player to be even even tougher um, at Adepticon. 
But I got I got to say though, our San Francisco crew, we had five of us from the city. We represented really well with three of our San Francisco players in the top cut. And yeah, uh, Kingsley crazy. and I qualified, so we're super happy. Sorry, I just wanted like a little token sound effect here. Oh, there you go, clicking through those tokens. Yeah, <laughs> click and click. Oh yeah, listen to those. Listen go. to those sweet, sweet tokens, man. They sound amazing. It's so satisfying just to like play with them while you're like thinking about your turn and stuff. <clears throat> um, so that's awesome. That's like absolutely fantastic. You qualified for high command. Yes. Um, we want to talk about what I think might be we can safely say for the first time is the meta for Star Wars Legion. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the game definitely has a meta now. <laughs> it, it does. Um, let's hit it super briefly because I should have a bunch of data for next week. Um, okay. And we also have an interview. Um, but I think we yes, definitely we do. Need, I think we definitely need to hit it. Um, so uh mike which which list was the winning list for LDL? <laughs> well kyle it's funny you should ask um boba veer's comms relay coordinated fire one lvo i can't believe it yeah that that's really out of left field yeah i don't i don't know who who thought that i mean who would have who would have thought that you know coordinated fire was going to win lvo i have no I idea don't know. it seems it seems crazy yeah it's a horrible it's a horrible card <laughs> so we we all right without getting too much down the rabbit hole we did have mr griffin on himself to talk about his list so um he, uh, yeah he's gonna be be on shortly after this yep in like in like five minutes um ish. yeah five minutes or less but yeah uh, uh yeah core snipers and uh two really strong characters is basically meta right now although the fd turret did appear Yep. Who would have thought also that the FD turret would have appeared? I think maybe the I think Kingsley was mentioning the barricade rule might have had something to do with that. And anyway, I just wanted to mention that before we get out. But over overall in the tournament, every unit was represented. There no units were left behind, not even the lowly airspeeder. There were two airspeeders, yeah. And there were it was really cool to see ATSD's boxing. That was really fun. Yeah, there was actually um in the first round, there was a uh two ATSTs fought each other on that x-wing map and they actually the game went down to an objective tie and a points tie and blue pillar oh, won wow. by points whoa whoa yeah that's rare that's actual insanity yeah so that was pretty cool um uh, but yeah there's there's an uh i put out all the top six lists on um swlegionodds.com if you want to actually look at them like in detail um but it's two veers boba one palpatine which is uh, a little bit counter meta or different i guess compared to the other ones and then three wonder twins um so and so, and it's and it's and it's that plus core you know five to six core and uh um snipers basically i'm sorry i kept chewbacca out of the top six it's all my fault that's okay we forgive you uh so something um that is interesting that i think uh isn't maybe encapsulated in in that kind of description is that every single one of the winning lists had either coordinated fire or covering fire in it. Yeah, they were both popular. Um, Can I qualify that real briefly? Yeah. So, I, what did, did how often did you use covering fire? I used covering fire. Or? I used covering fire well, exactly one time. Okay. And it helped a lot because it enabled me to push through a rather vulnerable area of terrain. And because uh, basically, the the idea was, I set up for it. 
I, the map I was on was like two. It was the bunker map with two alleys on either side of this long, this long bunker slash hangar thing. And basically, there was only small amounts of cover, and so I thought, okay, well, I can I can barricade hop with covering fire very legitimately. Like I think the card was envisioned. I set this up, and I had a couple units in range. I was like, okay, I'm going to start the chain here, and we're gonna we're gonna fire and then issue a dodge. And then it was just literally just chaining all my guys up the field, shoot or dodge, shoot, dodge move shoot issue another dodge move shoot with that unit issue another dodge so it was really just a really cool passing back and forth the dodges themselves though didn't they did something but they didn't quite do enough just because um david kept hitting two crits on his uh his snow troopers and it was like so, okay well i couldn't do much about it but it was still it still helped me but it wasn't overwhelming like it felt really balanced and it felt i felt a lot safer about the push i made and a lot better about that that decision strategically so you know it may have just been a feel good yeah um so to that effect would you have rather had save our skins i'm not sure because leia had died at that point it's kind of nice to have a neutral backup card just have it have it handy it's sure. got functions outside of its uh the best part about it is that it's a neutral three pip. So in late game turns, when all the commanders are dead, you can still beat standing orders. <laughs> sure. Sure. That's fair. Um, hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I've heard a lot of people say similar things about it, so it'll be interesting to see where that card ends up. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not convinced that I want it over save our skins at the moment myself personally. Yeah, um, I just found it super interesting that every rebel list that that won in the top twelve had covering fire in their list. I, I would definitely take in a list with six core. In fact, it's one of the biggest reasons I took six core was to maximize that card along with not being comfortable with Wookiees. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's definitely good in a list with a lot of core, which as we said is kind of what you want to be doing anyway right now. So Yep. Yeah. Um and it also, you know, Save Our Skins is a little bit of a glorified assault um you know so it's in many ways it's like a straight upgrade over saver skins um there are some some times where it's it's useful to double tap lay and something else but um without getting too far down the rabbit hole I, I think part of the argument for why covering fire is something you want is is because save our skins is not like a top tier uh command card by itself sure that's fair um, uh we want to transition into the interview here yeah let's oh uh we got a plug uh uh so <laughs> there was a lot of preview news since we last yeah, met um oh yeah so um we're not going to talk about any of it uh so Jin had her full preview um and uh we got sabine and bosk previews i'm super stoked especially about those models which are custom kits and are awesome yeah they look legit um, yeah i'm so i'm so excited about those um, time to buy two so i can do all the poses yes <laughs> but we are we are not gonna hit those um actually uh jay and evan are gonna hit them uh tomorrow or whenever they record so um yeah. i'm hoping they do the down day tst preview too because that also happened that did also happen it was, man uh <laughs> we will says jay okay um all right they will also do the down day tst preview Anything else you want us to plug, Jay? Seeing no typing. Okay. 
Yeah, we should just do the interview. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweet. Uh, we'll be back in just a second with an interview from John Griffin, uh, the winner of LVO. And we're back with John Griffin. Uh, he won LVO first place um, with a pretty awesome list. How you doing, John? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty fantastic. So before we dive into LVO and your list, um, just generally, like, what is your gaming background? Well, I played Warhammer Fantasy for about 10 years. I uh, started when I was a teenager, branched off into some of their sub games like Necromunda. And then I did a bit of X-Wing about three, four years ago, took a hiatus while I worked, and now I'm back in Legion. That's awesome. Uh, what did you kind of like about Legion as opposed to those other games? Well, when I first got started with the game, I was just sold on the Stormtrooper minis. I had been looking for ages for Stormtroopers to use for RPGs and stuff like that. And my exact words to our store owner was, if this game tanks tomorrow, I'm okay. We've got, you know, beautiful Stormtrooper minis to put on my wall. Uh, and then I started playing it, and I realized that there was a lot of strengths to this game that I didn't necessarily see in other games. One of my favorite things is the ebb and flow of this game, the way that the activations go back and forward between players, allowing you to kind of have maximum impact on the turn. Some games, you your opponent takes the whole turn, and then you kind of do what you do with the tattered remnants of your forces. I was never a big fan of that. In this game, I've had times where I've had a flank that's been completely rolled up by my opponent, but because I was able to focus my activations on the other side, I was able to still make some big plays. Yeah, that's one of the things that drew me, um, that and the command card system um, to Legion also versus other games like 40k, which you alluded to. Um, you know, the alternating activations, I think, makes for a much closer game and kind of avoids those like hammer table wipe turns. Oh yeah, I could never stand those turn one. Just half, half to for ninety percent of my forces are gone, and I'm just sitting there going, "Well, you won the first roll, good game." <laughs> yeah, so it kind of sucks to lose the game before you get to take any actions. Like that's just a, a feel bad. Absolutely agreed. So you are uh, from Chicago, right? That is correct. Yeah, I live out in the uh, DeKalb region, so I'm a little bit out of there, but I do play with the uh, 312 our Chicago team. Is that so? That sounds like an area code. Is that accurate? Uh, three one two is actually the uh, phone code for Chicago, more specifically. So most Chicago numbers start with three one two and then get into their seven digits. Right. I knew that sounded familiar. I uh, I grew up in six three zero, just outside the suburbs of Chicago. So. Yep. You probably um, called a lot of three one two numbers then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. So tell us about your local local scene there in Chicago. So right now, most of the 312th Legion is centered uh, in GameStorm in Lamont. Uh, we play on Thursday nights. Uh, we've got a group of about 22 people with a core consistency group of about 10 who show up pretty regularly to run each other through our paces. And I think that's a really strong part of why we did so well during the LVO is that we've played a lot of lists and a lot of games together. So we don't have to make snap decisions when we play. We've seen these scenarios before. We know what we want to get out of them. Yeah, uh, so Joe DePinto is also from your group, right? Correct. Yeah, he took second. Yep. Yeah, good showing for you guys. Yep, and actually our uh, another one of our teammates managed to get an uh, invitation as well. Al Paz, he took seventh. 
That's right, because uh, uh, Dan uh, Casalassi uh, was sixth, but he couldn't um, he couldn't go, so he very graciously passed an invite down. Yep. So we were very happy to see that. Um, it really is going to help us be able to focus on our last couple teammates who weren't able to make it out, uh, try to get their last chance qualifier invitations and get into high command as well. Yeah, it looks like there um, there's going to be at least eight spots and possibly as many as like twelve. So. Uh, and at the last chance. I'm hoping we see a full Monty of uh, 32 players at high command. That would be ideal. I'm I'm sure that they're gonna fill that if with the with the last chance people. If people don't show for Adeptica, for the actual high command uh, bit at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, uh, how did you uh, end up on landing on Veers Boa for LVO? Well, when I first started playing, I played Vader. He's a beautiful piece, obviously, and uh, I gravitated towards Veers because I liked the lower cost and high activation uh, choices, but I cannot personally stand speeder bikes. I can never make the saves. <laughs> they need to be effective. Um, so how do you feel yeah, those, about playing Rebels? <laughs> those white guys I am saves, a man. staunch Imperial player. Uh, when I played X-Wing as well, there was a long period of time in which you know uh, Imperials were not considered competitive. I have never once backed down from my Imperial play, and I don't think that will ever change. Um, it's just a faction choice, honestly. It's something that I kind of define in my play identity. So um, you gravitated towards Veer's Boba because of Boba specifically and the lower activation count. Um, well, with Boba specifically, um, yeah. I just didn't want to run uh, evasive maneuvers. And at the time, running Boba Fett was the only way I could run Veer's without having speeder bikes or sacrificing command hand efficiency. And the more that I played Boba, the more that I realized what a versatile piece he really was. And even now, with my considering switching over to Krennic after his release, I'll still probably keep Boba in the list. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so just to, uh, for the listeners here, I'm just going to kind of go down. Or why don't, why don't you take us through your list, actually? I think that that's probably a better idea. Do you, yeah, do you no have problem. it in front of you? Oh, yeah. I got a whole dissertation. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we start off with Veers as the centerpiece. He's... Um, He's really directing the troops, giving out those uh, spotter tokens and removing suppression where he can. Uh, one thing that I early on didn't do well with Veers was utilize his gun. A lot of times I held him back around my snipers, and I was really underusing him. Veers at range 3, because he surges to crit, has a really good chance of popping off one unsavable wound a turn. So if mm -hmm. he's up there with your stormtroopers, he's usually doing work in addition to actually passing on his support buffs. Um, then I started kind of like a fourth sniper. Exactly. Um, he, yeah, he has yeah. a really, really good chance of pushing that wound through just like the others. Uh, then you get your stormtroopers. Um, four of them in my list, uh, only one, including a comms technician, which is just there to make the coordinated fire turn more effective. So I got a question for you about that because I've been running something very similar with the comms relay bit. Um, now that LVO is kind of done and over with, how do you feel about the column relay tech in this list generally? Do you feel like it's mandatory? Do you feel like it's something you can overlook? How do you feel about so, it? So in my game three, my opponent had comms relay, um, and I actually managed to snipe it off the board before he was able to use coordinated fire. And his turn using that card actually stuttered immensely because of it. I feel like it's essential 
if you're planning on running comms relay. It's not a very expensive upgrade uh, to take if you're already planning on taking the extra trooper. Uh, but it makes the, t- the coordinated fire turn so much better than if you're relying on random activations to try to get the maximum value out of it. Awesome. Um, cool. I, I didn't mean to stop you in totality. It just seemed like no. a good good place to insert that no tidbit. No problem. Um, so then we got to the snows. Now, a couple of people asked me why I only chose to ran one unit of snow troopers. The more that I've played them, the more that I haven't seen their efficiency in the range one band. Um, it tends that to be that opponents just annihilate them off the board before they're able to really get there and do damage. And even when they roll, you know, five to six black dice and red dice, because I'd be giving them uh, frag grenades, they don't tend to actually do as many wounds as you'd expect. So nowadays I more use them as a melee deterrent. I keep them in a cover area relatively close to the front of my forces. Then if something like Wookiees or Imperial Guard get close, they pop out, they do a, a bunch of damage, and then you know try to stop them from getting closer. Cool. So... Um... I just want to jump in because, um, well, why don't you why don't you finish going through your list? But I, I have a couple. That's I have fair. a couple things. Uh, snipers kind of explain themselves. They're one suppression, one wound per turn uh, choices. I got I have two of them in there. They help. They help to get the activation count up as well. I usually counter snipe with them, which is something I notice not every player does. Um, specifically because I like to remove other peer sources from the table. And then uh, Imperial Rogue Guard uh, was my big change before LVO. I realized that the list that I had ran, which was three snipers, 11 activations, really had a weakness to melee-centric lists, triple Wookiees, or really anything, including Luke. I included the Royal Guard specifically to be linebackers. They weren't going to run out and do their own thing um, because they didn't have enough supporting pieces in my list. They stayed close to the line, and then if they were... You know, a melee unit approach, they were there to intercept. I was actually going to ask you specifically about that choice. I pretty much ran the same list as you, minus IRG and plus a DLT and a sniper squad. So I was running that 11 activation list. So um, you, you felt like that, that was like a pretty good change that you made generally? Yes, I only played against Luke in one game, but... Having the IRG actually deterred my opponent from bringing Luke in quickly. And when they fought him, they actually managed to inflict five wounds before he got away. So they had a pretty solid showing <laughs> for what their intended role was. Yeah, that that was uh, David, I think, our, yep. our co-host David that you played. Yes, he was. He was my favorite um, game by far. You were, <laughs> uh, you were his only loss, yes. I think. Um. So, um, did you, uh, this goes back to the guard a little bit. Did you follow like invader league? Uh, I actually did um, not. Uh, it's one of those things I kind of regret not keeping an eye on. Uh, cause I've been told that the meta is actually somewhat getting defined by some of the choices being made in invader league. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, um, Garnanana, Garnanana, Garnanana. <laughs> I think I pronounced it right. Um, we had, we actually had him on a while ago and he told us how to pronounce his name and I've since forgotten. Um, he's seriously though. He's a good. He's a good friend. I talk to him all the time. But um, he ran a similar list for Invader League elimination, and he was um, he was second. He lost to Kingsley um, in the finals uh, with a very similar list. So 
Um, I wasn't sure if you'd followed that at all, but it sounds like you guys sort of organically came up with, you know, separately, um, this a, a very similar and similarly uh, effective empire list. Yeah, sounds like it. It wouldn't surprise me too much if his thought process has kind of mirrored my own when designing it. Yeah, well, th- the reason I said that is, is as you were going through explaining it, it's like that very much mirrors his thoughts that he's expressed about that same same list. So, um, yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, it's an effective list. I think it's probably personally. I think I think it's my favorite empire list um, out there right now. So, um, what was your favorite moment from the tournament? So, going back to that game four, uh, as I was playing with uh, with David he had a very early advantage on me. He managed to take Boba down uh, because I played him very aggressively and he exploited that. Um, And he chose during that game to play the scenario instead of necessarily just retreating his entire army with the points advantage that he had, which would have been perfectly valid. Um, And it was at that point that I realized that, you know, this, this community is fantastic. And it was my favorite moment because we played the game. We, he fought me to the bitter end with everything he had and really allowed both of our lists to shine in that scenario. Yeah, it's funny because we talked about this very thing a couple weeks ago because um, there was a team league game where, you know, it was like an up on point situation. And we were like, how do you make the call when to just sort of be boring and retreat back into your deployment zone and do standbys and dodges, um, you know, if you're up on points or, or do you actually like play, play the game out? Um, and it sounds like he did the latter. Yeah, thing. he made the exact same call uh, I would even... make in that scenario. Um, I understand the the argument of you know it, that it is winning the game by playing it that way, but I, I am a personal I'm a personal fan of playing the scenario itself. You know, you you've played the turn zero, you chose a scenario. I feel like you should at least attempt to play it. <laughs> yep. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm sure that he will be glad to hear that that was your favorite game of the day. <laughs> Um, so we talked a little bit about your list. Um, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on the command cards that you chose to bring. I know that there's not a ton of flexibility um, presently, but how did you feel about the the variety of command cards you brought? What did you think the strongest ones were? And would you change anything about it? Um, I would say right now my command hand really doesn't have any flexibility in terms of what I can take or put, take out or put in, um, at least not until the Krennic, uh, spoiler. Uh, for now, really the, the biggest weakness in the command hand is just the generic push, um, followed by the ZX flame projector, I think. So my two pip turns are kind of my weakest, uh, options just because the ZX is usually a card that you have to use when Boba's in a situation he doesn't want to be in. Um, he doesn't necessarily want to be in proximity to units with large amounts of firepower because the more saves he has to roll, the more misses he's likely going to take. Um, and push, of course, gives you no benefit whatsoever besides the okay chance for winning initiative. Uh, going up in pips, um, I personally love Boba's ZX or Z6 jetpack rocket. Uh, I do not use it as much anymore to pick up bounties. Uh, I don't actually pursue bounty very often anymore, not since key positions was changed. Um, I actually use it to take out strike teams. Usually with recon mm. intel and boba, turn one, I can get in range four 
and pop off a strike team because they're not getting any cover and I'm rolling three dice with seven eighths chance to hit. That's a pretty strong turn one play and not one that people expect from Boba Veers. They expect the turn one maximum firepower, which I use for usually for the exact same purpose. I use it to take out another strike team nine times <laughs> out of 10. Um, or if somebody is running a support unit like an FD or E-Webs, uh, I'll hit that pretty hard as well. Uh, we talked a bit about coordinated fire earlier. Um, I personally do not aim stack as heavily as some people discussed. I feel that two to three aims per unit is probably more than enough. So I simply pass a couple aims to my stormtroopers, walk it down the line if I can, and then the excess ones usually get passed to special forces or um, in the unlikely event Boba is nearby. I would love to pass an aim or two to him. And that so basically sorry so i just want to because we've talked a bit about this card on uh previous cast obviously but i, I want to walk through like what your strategy is for using it so um so so just just kind of tell us like how how a turn for that to so for goes. me a turn uh, of coordinated fire generally um i relay back to veers and pick two core units nearby it's pretty much always going to be the stormtrooper units just because of their proximity uh, Veers will start the turn. He'll spot her two uh, onto both Stormtrooper units that have the face-up tokens, and then usually he'll, in that situation, be at range three of uh, something, and he'll take his pot shot. If he gets it, great. If he doesn't, no big deal. Um, following up from that, usually the next Stormtrooper unit does not move. That unit aims to get the second aim token and then fires. Um giving me two tokens to transfer to the third unit. Now I've hit that three token kind of sweet spot on my third activation. At that point, that unit usually will move to try to either get a better position or if I can open up an entire flank by just passing around some terrain and leave my opponent without any cover, I'll absolutely do that because my odds of getting six hits, you know, with a DLT plus four is pretty high on three uh, three aims. So then I'll do that. I'll pass the three tokens to the next Stormtrooper unit and kind of just walk my way through there. Once I get towards the end, that's when I'll disperse the, um, the tokens to whatever special forces happen to be at the end of the daisy chain. Um, do you generally kind of put all those tokens in one place or do you like split them off like one to a sniper team one to a sniper team two to an irg um i don't usually assign more than one uh pass off to any other like special forces unit or boba i don't tend to feel that they need them that much since most of my army doesn't roll white dice unless they are stormtroopers the unit that actually needs sure. the aims the most at the end is the snows usually because they're not at range one most of the time and are just rolling white dice without having the benefits of precise. Yeah. So that's one of those big ones that um, I think a lot of people who use coordinated fire would benefit from is thinking about having, you know, if they can pass three tokens to their snow troopers, they have a reasonably good chance of inflicting some pretty heavy casualties at range three that they might not get in any other turn. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'd say that pretty pretty closely tracks our experience with it. So, uh, so, um, so sorry, go ahead. just to kind of continue on the command card train real quick here, um, 
How did you feel about Whipcord, Maximum Firepower? I know they're pretty self-explanatory, but... Um... Whipcord, I mean, Maximum Firepower, as I said before, I use to take out a, sni- a sniper strike team or a, a support unit if I can. Um, and then Whipcord's kind of my weird card. Um, I actually, I don't really have a consistent use for it. Sometimes I use it to actually tie something up. Other times I use it just to get Boba's initiative off first. Um it's just very dependent on the situation. If my opponent doesn't have a melee heavy list, it's generally for the activation uh, and you know that kind of speed move. It's usually in a turn where I've put Vo- uh, Boba out somewhere pretty open, uh, maybe following up a flame projector attack, or if my opponent has snipers, he's intending to hide next turn, something like that. Otherwise, if they do have melees, I'll save the whip cord until Boba can basically do a drive-by um whipcord gotcha um are there any changes you'd make in yeah i'd say i'd make two right now um we talked a bit about the comms before i'd actually was considering moving the comms to the snowtrooper unit that i have somebody uh was talking about it and i heard in passing that putting that into the snow trooper list gives me a free frag grenade essentially and since I don't tend to run my snowtroopers highly aggressively, there's a good chance they'll still be within range two of ears, allowing them to still relay that order back to him. Uh, in addition, uh, I was at 797. I would actually just give Veers uh, environmental gear at this point. Uh, I don't necessarily want to bid. I just didn't know what three points I wanted to fill going into LVO. Um. So let's talk about not kind of wanting to bid, I guess, at this point. Um, do you prefer red player? Or do you prefer blue I, player? Uh immensely prefer red player. And I do know I'm in the minority uh, from what I understand on that. But Hey, I'm, I'm right there with <laughs> you, my man. It's, I think it's a mentality uh, in some, some instances. I'm a very defensive player, a very reactive player. Uh, so being red player does give me some benefits. One uh, that's sometimes brought up is that in the turn zero game, uh, red player has the final elimination. There's um, a lot of opportunities to completely change up the game and your opponent cannot respond to it because you're red. You went last. Um, now blue does have the major advantage of if you somehow tie completely, they win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that did happen did. once. I was, uh, I was quite in, surprised, in and uh, yeah. I was. But usually, that tends not to be the case. So I don't see it as a major, um, major loss. Um, and I did test before I came to LVO about a month prior. I played a tournament with a, I think a four point bid, four to six point bid, and I played blue every game. I could not stand being blue, not being able to react <laughs> to my opponent's deployment. Um, you know, they had choice of final elimination and turn zero just completely messed with my head. And I realized that going into LVO, if I could choose to be red at any point, I would be. Yeah, I noticed as I was going through your slips, there was a lot of John Griffin red player. <laughs> five for five is what it was. So. And I actually, one of those games I got yeah. to pick. Everybody else beat me on the bids, the other games. But in one particular instance, I did have the choice and I did choose to be red player. 
I always find that funny um, when you like you win the points war and they just assume that you're a blue player and they're like, all right, what side do you want? And you're like, whoa, that's whoa, exactly whoa. how that went down. <laughs> Slow your roll, my man. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. It was, I think, it was game three. It was like, oh, you're gonna be blue, and he got up, and I'm like, no, no, sit down, you're blue. <laughs> I don't, I don't want it, man. You could have it. Um, did you notice, uh, like, when people picked blue? Um, did they ever swap table sides with you? Or was it sort of just a habit for people to be like, whatever, Some I'll Some players do. Um, at LVO, most people at least took the time to consider the side they were on. I think I switched in one instance. He, uh, I think it was by game two, uh, I think it was against Jace Pippen. He decided that he did not like his side, and it was the, uh, the X-Wing table, and we switched it around. Uh, and I think he said, actually, in hindsight, that was a mistake on his part. It's funny because that table is also almost yeah, perfectly symmetrical. We had to put down very few barricades um, on that uh, particular table. <laughs> Everybody hated that table. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I'm not surprised. Um, that was our, I think that was certainly our most open table. Yeah, there was no line of sight blocking. There was that pillar in the center, which actually I did use it once to block line of sight. I had a two man squad that hid behind it to hide from a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> but that was about it. Everything else was way exposed. <laughs> um, just what I, I wanted to do one more thing on the red player that, um, you know, one advantage of blue players that you get to essentially veto three cards before you start. Um, but, um, and, and I run a very uh, sort of the rubble mirror of this list, which is actually very similar to David's list, you know, wonder twins, core snipers. Um, but essentially it's, um, you know, if you run a list that doesn't care about condition cards, um, then I guess you probably don't care about that aspect of it. Like, really, the, the only card I think probably you care about is limited viz. And everybody well, here's the thing anyway. about limited visibility um, that has been brought up to me in the past, when I, especially when I ran three snipers. Um, and this goes back to kind of with, with discussions uh, people may have had with me about key positions before it was changed. If I see somebody who has like limited visibility in the third slot, for example, and I know they're going to go for it, I'm going to look to see if they have Recover the Supplies as their um, scenario card. Because if they do, limited visibility with my list and Recover the Supplies with the right deployment means that Boba can go take the center objective and my opponent can't shoot him at all. That's Yeah, really and Boba with the boxes. Boba with the boxes yeah, essentially wins you the game a lot news. of times. Um, and, and that's kind of one <laughs> yeah, of those things that I think makes um, some players go in without any plan. I have a plan for pretty much every scenario. I at least have some sort of, you know, objective going in uh, with those. And that combination of cards is exact. I have that already pre-planned. You know, that kind of situation is if I see limited visibility, what do I want to do here? Yep. And uh, I actually cut recover because I don't have Boba, even though Luke is great at recover also, but was better at it. So, He's so much better. At that it. is, that, he's so much better at it. Yeah. But Boba trumps Luke, I think, as long as he grabs the box before Luke does. Which he, you know, he certainly can. Yeah. Um, barring some kind of recon intel, no time for sorrows shenanigans. Um. All right. Well, is there, uh, John? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I'm gonna do a little shameless plug for my uh, my local group, the 312. Um, if anybody is listening from the Chicagoland area, I highly recommend that they find us on Facebook or go to our website. Uh, I will be posting up a more comprehensive breakdown of my 
uh, list information and kind of what happened during my five games on there. We're hoping to, you know, create a sense of inclusivity around Chicago with all the stores. So if you're a Legion player looking to find something at a local store, that's probably the best way to do it. Awesome. Um, I don't currently live in Chicago, but like I said, I used to, and I would, uh, uh, I love to see that there's a, there's a good community there. So 22 players sounded like a ton. I'm really quite impressed, frankly. It definitely helps get those reps in. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. It helps a lot that you're not playing the same people over and over again. Um, all right. Well, um, Anything else before we before we sign off here? I think that's everything. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for being on, John. Not a problem. You guys have a good night. You too. Yeah, it was a pleasure, and uh, we will see you at Adepticon. See you there. So uh, that was our interview with John Griffin, the winner of the Las Vegas Open. Um, so I think that's going to just about do it for today. Um, you guys got any parting thoughts? Uh, I am stoked to... Um, practice over the next couple of months with you guys for Adepticon because uh, we are all going in some capacity. We are all going. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy, hopefully. And, and now that we have some information and direction, I feel a lot better about it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Check out the Adepticon Facebook page for attorney packets and schedules and all that fun stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Sure that they're going to have a, a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting news on there. Yeah. Um, also, heads up, if you're in the last chance qualifier, your lists are going to be due in advance, uh, 10 days in advance to be exact. So, Whoa. Um, yeah, be aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't not submit your list. Um, yeah, just, you know, make sure you, I think there was an email out too, but make sure you check that out because this is not like previous. This is the first time that we're testing. Not that I'm having anything to do with it, but um, this is the first time we, we being Adepticon, uh, not me, uh, <laughs> are testing, um, submitting lists in advance. So, uh, yeah, just be aware of that if you're playing in the LCQ public service announcement. Um, yeah, I believe they said that the team tournament today is also going to be a downgrade from like the the like strict tournament guidelines. So I think that if like Krennic and Death Troopers are late, people are going to be able to play them. I think. Not uh, positive on that, but I yeah. think Brendan said that today on Discord. So I still need a partner for the team tournament. So just give me a holler. <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless I, I presume Mike and Kyle, you guys are going to play as a team. So I think we're actually going to bail out because it's a long drive home. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll yeah. probably be there for another day. So hit me up. <laughs> um, I need a teammate. And and you are correct. It is formal, not premier. So um, there will not be like an eleven day window for legality right. product legality Ooh. yeah so for all of those that want to play with krennic and death troopers if they do come late you'll still be able to play them in the team event triple pathfinders triple commandos go <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's your that's your chance to try some jank yeah super janky six saboteur strike teams with e-stims <laughs> so gross okay all right all right all right. Well, I think that's it. We're the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Mike. I'm Kyle. I'm David. Have a good one, guys.
Join us next time for another edition of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.